Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The range ain't merely science fiction. It's science. It's high noon for Friday, June 11th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also occasionally find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcouture.com. Today is the 142nd full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You believed the television so much that now everything you think you know is wrong. And because of that, you went and voted for a man who was mentored by a Klansman to become fake president of the United States so that you could say that you participated in solving racism. But that's not bad enough because you're still believing the television every time they tell you They've found a magic silver bullet that will finally destroy Trump and the entire movement and your pain will stop. Except they're wrong again. And of course they're wrong again. They're always, always wrong. But before we get into all of that, I would be remiss not to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. 
Maybe you were looking for Chris Paul, the basketball player, and made a terrible mistake, and now you're hearing me say bad things about Joe Biden and commies like you. But I hope you leave it on just a little bit longer and find the strength inside you to not get too upset about the mocking and ridicule you might receive. The only reason I'm doing it is because the ideas in your head are so stupid and evil that if no one alerts you to this simple and obvious fact, you may still go on throughout your life believing all of these stupid and terrible things. And truthfully, the country just can't afford it anymore. So try to suck it up. Understand that you have said reprehensible things about at least 50% of this country. Take the L and let me show you how wrong you are. That's it. I know you're going to be mad that it's me doing it. What gives him the right to tell me how wrong I am? Hey, don't look at it that way. Look at it as a favor. People are going to stop thinking you're so stupid soon. If you just stop being stupid and it's entirely under your control. So we'll get into the newest scandal that they've made up in the New York Times and on cable news. The next desperate attempt to somehow destroy Trump, make it all go away. We'll do that later. But right now, I want to talk a little bit more about the Arizona audit and the theory I've been positing the last few days. So just to catch anyone up who hasn't heard the episodes from the last two days, I think that there is a very strong chance that the dominoes are going to fall much quicker than most people expect based on the fact that we are about to, I think, receive some pretty hard and fast and indisputable evidence that Maricopa County is missing 100,000 ballots or maybe 200,000 ballots or maybe more. And at that point, Joe Biden's win goes up in smoke, okay? A lot of people are focused on waiting for the report from the Arizona audit, which won't come out until the middle or maybe the third week of July. And I understand that a totally rational and reasonable position to hold. And sometime in July, an audit will begin in Georgia. We're hearing an audit will probably begin in Pennsylvania around that time. And the idea that most people have is that some states need to be overturned. The state legislatures would then need to pass resolutions to decertify their electors and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Constitution. Whatever. Now, I'm not saying whatever to the Constitution. I respect the Constitution, but the Constitution doesn't really have provisions for this situation and a really 
key insight that Boris Epstein Epstein mentioned on the war room this morning is that the Constitution is a negative document. It tells you like some things that must happen and some things that can't happen, but it doesn't prescribe solutions for all problems. And this happens to be a problem for which the Constitution did not prescribe a solution. That doesn't mean we don't get to solve the problem, especially when the Constitution was violated over and over and over and over and over again to bring this problem about in the first place. But that blah, blah, blah part I just mentioned is the part I'm not sure is going to happen. You know, people think it's going to be one state, then another state, then another state. Then it's obvious that Joe Biden didn't win the election. And then a few months down the line, we decide maybe, hey, we should do something about this. Maybe we have a new election, etc. I don't see that. Okay, I see it as a possibility. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think that's going to be how it goes down. And you can say maybe I'm being too optimistic, too positive. I don't think this view is necessarily optimistic because because it comes with its own pitfalls as well, which are different than a more drawn out situation. But the idea the last two days that I've been talking about is. When it's clear, when the hand count is finished and there are tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands fewer ballots than recorded votes in Maricopa County, it becomes very obvious at that point that a massive crime has been committed, that a whole series of people certified fraudulent elections and did so knowingly, and that Arizona has representatives in government right now that are there illegitimately. And I'm looking at someone specifically like Paul Penzone. I mean, we have these ideas in our head about what these audits are that totally make sense and align with the narrative. I'm not saying the ideas are wrong. They're just not looking far enough ahead. Okay, so we all have this sense that Arizona, that Maricopa County, they're just auditing the presidential part. And maybe they are. I actually don't know this to be true one way or the other. But I think that they also might be auditing the entire election in Maricopa County, which means that doing this hand count, they're actually recording the results of all of the races. And I hope that's what they're doing. That that should be what they're doing. So when the hand count is finished, if they're missing 100,000 or 200,000 ballots and we are looking at the results of races down ticket, it's not just Joe Biden whose race is going to be nullified, okay? I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Penzone, the, the George Soros sheriff there in Maricopa County, finds out that he wasn't really elected. In fact, I'm sure he probably already knows that. According to the Maricopa numbers, Penzone won by about 233,000 votes. Okay, so I'm not sure if there are enough missing ballots that would swing this right away. Just trying to be clear about that. But there might be. And if somehow you see 150,000 votes 
right, that are just missing. They get taken off Biden's total. They get taken off Penzone's total. Because let's be realistic. The ballots that are missing are almost definitely Democrat ballots. So if all of a sudden Penzone is sitting there and has 150,000 votes knocked off his total just through fraud, do Arizona citizens just say, ah, well, I guess he still won? I don't think so. I mean, are people going to be content with that? I don't think that's true. And, you know, maybe it takes another four or five weeks for the audit to wrap up, for the report to come out. Maybe no one knows for sure that Penzone is operating without authority for that amount of time. But do you let a sheriff do sheriff things while being unsure if that sheriff is serving legitimately? That seems like a real, real tough position to support. I mean, Joe Arpaio was the sheriff of Maricopa County for 24 years. And now, three years after his run ended in 2017, when he was finally out, Maricopa County flips from Joe Arpaio forever to now Penzone wins by 233,000? Give me a break. So it's totally possible that one of the chief law enforcement officers in Maricopa County has his job as a result of election fraud. It is entirely possible that we might know that on Monday or Tuesday. All right. If this information comes out, if there is a number attached to the deficit in ballots, a whole bunch of things are immediately thrown into disarray. It's not just a story that the media can say, well, yeah, this is only one place, or this is probably just a chain of custody problem because they had cyber ninjas on it. I mean, they're going to try all those things. And I'm sure for some commies, that'll work. But ultimately, this is overwhelming proof of criminal activity. There's no way people are just going to chalk up every single step of this process to human error. And I'm not sure that would even save them, honestly. Because all these steps in the process are meant to be there to ensure that the result we're being told is the real, true result. These people have a sworn oath to do their jobs for the citizens of Arizona and the citizens of Maricopa County. And remember, Maricopa County, as the largest county in Arizona, I think it represents like two-thirds of Arizona's votes, they're making decisions for the state. So it's not like it's just going to be people in Maricopa County who are mad. Is everyone just supposed to sit down and shut up for five weeks with illegitimate people serving in the Arizona government? I don't know how they let that happen. I really don't. I'm not saying it won't happen. We've seen lots of crazy things. I've thought things for sure were going to happen and didn't happen, or at least didn't happen yet. But it seems to me that that's the point at which something has to be done 
or start being done. Like, even if it's just signaling they have these plans, potentially they're bringing charges here and here and here. I don't see how that just doesn't happen at all. Again, could be wrong. But what I want to call people's attention to is the idea of what is actually happening in just the hand count, right? All they're doing is counting all of the ballots by hand. A recount, if you will. That is exactly what most normal American voters think happens when they say there's been a recount in a state, when they say there's been an audit in the state. They think people sit down and recount all of the ballots to make sure the results are correct. And that's not true. And you can know intuitively, obviously, that it's not true because Arizona is one of the states that says we've had a recount. We've had an audit. We've had two audits. But they haven't done a hand recount or they would have found that there were all these missing ballots. Right. We know that no place has undertaken a recount like this. And I think that this is a really important thing to be able to understand and to be able to communicate to the redeemable communists in your life. Yes, they think that a full recount was done and that we're all still complaining because we don't like the result. Now, I know that that is a totally ignorant, know-nothing, child brain opinion, okay? But they really do believe that. The TV tells them we did a recount. In their brain, a recount is exactly what's happening with the hand count in Arizona. So they think that this stuff has already been done fully, like like is happening right now. And so they agree with Rachel Maddow when she says, this is this is all so crazy. They've done this before, and now they just have this outside group of QAnon conspiracists and Republicans and conspiracy theorists. They're touching the real ballots. And everybody is like, yeah, that's crazy. They have already counted this two times. They don't need to do this again. And why do we have these crazy people doing this again? Real people already did it twice. No, commie. No one did it. That's why it's happening. Okay? And that's why it's going to happen in every other state around the country. At some point, you got to wonder if the commies are just going to be like, yeah, well, we can see that there were tons of errors in this election. I guess we better have another one right away. Same system as before. (laughs) I am really so interested to see how they try to handle this. In terms of the narrative, I mean, it's fascinating. I think about it all the time. Like, what could actually happen after this? What are they going to try to say when they just simply cannot account for tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of missing ballots in Arizona? And I've mentioned Seth Keschel the last couple of episodes. If you guys haven't done it yet, go on Rumble find The Right Side with Doug Billings and listen to the episode with Seth Keschel on it, explaining how the population statistics in these various places have changed and that 
in each one of these places, the reported vote makes almost zero sense statistically. Almost impossible for it to have gone down the way they say. I was fortunate to be connected with him. I think we're going to do a podcast in the coming day or hopefully coming days or hopefully uh, not more than a week or so. We're trying to work it out. But I brought this up to him and he's like, yeah, man, I mean, I, I could believe if 250,000 ballots were just non-existent. So I'm keeping my eye out for that big time. I cannot wait to get that number and really try to figure out what that number means and then how the communists are going to respond to this sort of thing. But I think it's really important that whatever redeemable commies all of us are still talking to, we communicate the fact that this hand count that revealed this information has not been done anywhere, all right? Because they really believe that it gets done everywhere. They believe the entire thing is pretty much on the up and up. There's this person there, that person there that are trying to trick it. You know, there's always going to be criminals. But that everything else is just normal. They go punch in their vote. Their vote gets counted. Same with everyone else. Give me the result. That ain't how elections work. And there is no one who has followed this thing for the last seven months now, seven plus months now, that thinks elections are that simple. We know how fraud gets committed. We know where the systems are insecure and vulnerable. We've watched people give their testimony. We've watched people give their witness account of what happened on election day. We've seen the statistical analysis. We've researched the cases. We've read the affidavits. We've listened to experts talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours. There is no way our election system, as it was run on November 3rd, 2020, and on January 5th, 2021, and for that matter, November 2018, November 2016, and we can probably throw 2014 and 2012 in there as well. These are not legitimate elections. We have untold members of Congress, untold state officials, county officials, city officials who simply should not be in office. We have ballot measures that were passed that shouldn't have passed. People in this country are living under laws that are illegitimate. Kind of makes you look at California and think, man, I wonder why they do so many of those ballot measures in California. So, again, I just I really don't see how this is just going to be another piece of information, another piece of evidence on our side that pleases us and strengthens our case but doesn't really move the ball forward. I just don't see it, man. This is an enormous, enormous piece of evidence. And when people understand that, no, there actually haven't been hand recounts all across the nation, not even in these places that people are arguing about. That's the point at which normal people would be like, really? 
they didn't actually count the ballots. And then in this one place where they said they counted the ballots, there are 200,000 ballots just missing. Is that really what's happening? Man, the TV didn't tell me that. I know you said it, but you're crazy. That's what people are going to think. And at that point, a light goes off. And they say, really? Like, did they really do this? And you say, yeah, commie. Are you ready to come back to America? And I know that this sounds like a simplistic sort of thing, but those are the best red pills, honestly. When someone actually has to contend with the fact that no, recounts like this were not done anywhere. That's the sort of thing that has the power to wake people up. Because you can say, yeah, man, I've been telling you this the entire time. I've been telling you the entire time that they don't verify what the vote is at all. And now you know it's true. You know it's true. If they had done that sort of recount in Arizona, then they would have already known and announced that there were fewer ballots. They didn't do it because they already know there are fewer ballots. They're just lying about it. That's why they don't want them to have the ballots. There's no comeback from that, from these commies. What are they going to say? All you have to do is say to them, hey, man, this is just what I've been asking for the entire time. It's really not about anything more than this. It's just this. Verify the number. I've been saying it since November 4th. We need full forensic audits everywhere in the nation. And if it turns out that Joe Biden somehow got 81 million votes and won that election, then he's the president. Okay? I'll even admit that as disgusting and degenerate as he is. But we simply know that isn't true. And if they can knock off 200,000 ballots in Arizona because those votes just simply were not cast, what does that say about the rest of the country that hasn't even done simple hand recounts? This isn't watermarks. It's not bamboo fibers. It's not machines flipping votes. It's not internet access. It's not foreign interference. It's not even as complicated as going to an empty lot and realizing that 3,000 people who supposedly voted from there don't live there. This is actually even simpler and more basic than that. They literally created a new number and don't have a vote to match it. They don't even have a ballot or a record of ballots, and they don't even have the records of the ballots that they do have. They have a massive number of ballots there with no chain of custody. And the board of supervisors tried to answer that by saying that, yes, they have the full chain of custody from when we gave it to the auditors till right now. And by the way, board of supervisors, thank you for admitting that that key piece of information will come in handy down the line when you try to say 
that the auditors just misplaced all these ballots or that they somehow got stolen, even though they'll have the boxes being opened on camera with the numbers on the box and the records of the box so that you can see, in fact, that the auditors counted what they were given. So again, I think that one of the keys to this in communicating with the redeemable communists in your life and even other patriots who really do need to understand this, like the fullness of it, these recounts haven't been done around the country. They just haven't been done. So all of these big cities and even a bunch of small cities, small counties, whatever, they have not done the simple task of recounting their votes. They are missing ballots because those ballots never existed. There is no voter that voted those ballots without getting into anything else. This is something that in the minds of any redeemable communist will immediately say to them, Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, I guess we got a problem here. Doesn't matter if they get mad or if they lie or if they try to blame you for January 6th or some other dumb thing that they definitely will do in their tiny little commie child brains. A war will begin between all the little Care Bears and Oompa Loompas who are always running around in there telling them what to do. And if they're redeemable commies, then just open a conversation. Be like, hey, how does this make you feel? Yes, I actually was really upset when I found out that our country is guided by systemic corruption and fraud and immorality as well. But I came to terms with it realized how wrong I was, did my best to make amends, and now I'm focused on trying to make the country a better place. As you should do as well, Kami. Immigrate back to America. We will welcome you and help us solve this. Because right now, you know that this is a fraud. This is as simple and convincing as it gets. And by the way, If we just happen to be missing 200,000 ballots in Maricopa County, the question becomes, where did those votes come from? Right? I mean, yes, it's possible that they were scanned over and over and over and over again, and maybe that's the answer. Or it's possible that the machine algorithm counted the number of votes they have and enhance those votes with fractional voting, which would give them, say, 1.3 rather than just one. So that could be a thing in the machines, or it could be outside interference and flipping votes and stuff like that. But even the flipping, I think you would have to have the right number of ballots if that's all it was. But immediately, 200,000 ballots missing, and I'm just using that number, right? Okay. It could be 20,000. It could be 300,000. I don't know. I just feel like it's about 200. 
Please don't quote that number. My point is that if you have a two point, I think it's two point zero eight six or zero eight nine million recorded votes in Maricopa County. And it turns out there should have only been one point nine million recorded votes in Maricopa County. Then something outside of the number of votes happened to yield that final result. So that instantly, one way or another, places the problem on Dominion and other voting machine systems around the country. Right there, you immediately know that something else happened. So what is that other thing? People are going to want to know that. Dominion's invincibility will disappear immediately. So again, I think that these are simple, intuitive things that people will immediately understand once we have that one number. This is a very, very important number in my mind. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't think so. This would be a complete game changer everywhere. Okay? Everywhere. At that point, you can't fall back on the idea that audits were done, that recounts were done, that everyone has certified it. You can't fall back on the idea that election fraud is very rare. And this was the, the most secure election in history. And the DOJ didn't see any evidence of widespread fraud that could flip the election. Well, all that statement means now is that the DOJ didn't look. What else can you say? They didn't bother finding out whether or not the vote was legitimate. That's going to be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. They have relied on those excuses the entire time. The CISA statement from November 12th, maybe it was November 9th, but it was, I think it was the 12th. It was right after, just within the first two weeks, when everybody was like, oh, we don't know anything. We don't understand this. That's when that statement comes out. They've relied on that statement for seven months. Bill Barr says that he hasn't at that point seen any evidence that would lead him to believe that the election could have been flipped due to fraud. Those two statements alone are what have made up the entire commie argument the whole time. They just repeat them over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then they go into the big lie. And people get tired of that. They don't believe it. All they have left now is saying that calling the election into question is going to cause another very violent insurrection. But why did people go to the Capitol on January 6th in the first place? They went there to put pressure on the people in that building to hold off on certifying the Electoral College until further study was done. And Mike Pence chose not to do that. And a bunch of rhino commie Republicans, you know, Romneys, went right along with all the commie Democrats and they said, yeah, it looks fine to me. Because they want power. They want their job. 
And many of them are there illegitimately. They did not have the spine to stand up for the country that they swore an oath to serve. The people outside the building were there justifiably because they were watching right in front of their eyes the country being handed over to an illegitimate communist who can't think in complete sentences and was mentored by a Klansman. Now, it's still important to point out that going and putting pressure on people in the Capitol is not the same as rioting. And the good part is that the people doing the rioting and violence were almost exclusively Antifa. They initiated all of that. And we have video of them in the building trashing American flags, as Raheem Kassam pointed out the other day. Those aren't MAGA people, okay? The MAGA people were there to support an entirely righteous cause, which is the defense of our country and our Constitution and our elections. And it's going to be real hard for all these commies to pretend that January 6th was a very violent insurrection by domestic terrorist Trump supporters when it turns out that Arizona just, that Maricopa County just simply doesn't have a couple hundred thousand ballots, even though they recorded votes for them. So this one little piece of information could come out in the next few days. And this is a game changer. And I don't think people are viewing it as such. But I am. And I expect that people will wake up and realize this immediately. And this is where we need to be fighting from. Okay? Missing ballots on a scale that might be what I'm projecting, let's say. That's a game changer for everyone, man. That's not a, well, we got to wait to see what happens in Georgia kind of thing. Maybe I'm wrong. And I mentioned whistleblowers yesterday. Maybe people will stand up and be like, hey, you know what? This did happen here. Here's my story. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> you know, we've heard no deals. And no deals is an interesting idea, right? Because this whole thing could have probably been handled more quickly if people were making deals, right? Deals are generally for expediency or to gain knowledge that you otherwise could not know. But we're not in that situation here. We're going to get the knowledge either way. So the deal would then only be about expediency. And I think we've seen that expediency isn't the top priority. It's getting everything right and everything done in a legally correct way. So you can do no deals if you're patient. And if you're patient in a situation like this, the only reason why you would be is if you're in full control of the situation.
The good side knows what all of this is. All right. Again, I'm just a guy trying to figure it out. And I still know all the things I know. There are people who know so much more than me about this. Are we really supposed to pretend that they're just going to wait indefinitely for these formal drawn out processes to run their course? I don't think so. I think that they are more concerned and more focused on the sentiment of American citizens. Like, where is the public? When do we reach the point where we know we have enough of the public behind us to proceed? If I was the one running the show, that would be primary in my thoughts. How is the American public going to react? Because, again, ultimately, the goal is not just the win and it's not just getting rid of the corruption. It's doing all of that without sparking a civil war and without the dissolution of the country. And unless we get actual foreign military interference, whether it's from China or the UN or somewhere else, we will be able to completely avoid a civil war and still get all this stuff wrapped up, which is why I'm comfortable with them being as patient as they need to be. At the same time, if I'm right, that American sentiment is one of the driving forces of this project or plan, if you will, then I'm totally happy to be patient. More days or weeks or months of me having to wake up annoyed that it's not done yet, but obviously still very determined to see that it is. I'll do it. Yeah, it's stressful. It's annoying. But that's where we are right now. And if we got to be patient, then we got to be patient. But there's a chance that once we get that number, the patience can go right out the door. Because a big chunk of this country that is hesitant to move to our side, even while they're seeing all of the terrible stuff that is happening as a result of this election fraud. That's when they move our direction. And once they move our direction, they're not going back the other direction, right? They might be scared of what's to come and they might be resistant and hesitant about following this thing through to the end. But they're not just going to go back to believing that the election was free and fair and Joe Biden got 81 million votes and he's the most popular president of all time. They've seen these institutions lie over and over and over and over and over again. That's why I say now at the end of the episode, they lied to you about a pandemic. They lied to you about a pandemic. You think they won't lie about election fraud? They lied about Russian collusion. They lied about Ukraine. They lied about Hunter Biden's laptop. They launched two fake impeachments. They called people domestic terrorists for standing up for their rights. While they called Black Lives Matter Antifa peaceful protests. Of course, they'll lie about an election. They lie about the whole thing and everyone knows it. All right. You got to understand that part of the commie mindset. 
all of us on our side, there are things about the situation we don't know. Details that we just can't know. And everyone should admit that, by the way. None of us know all of it, including and especially me. But one thing I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that their story is incorrect and I can prove it over and over and over and over and over again on countless levels. There is 0% chance that the story the media and the communists tell us is true. 0%. They do not have that mindset about what we think. All right? They think that we are wrong because it's mean or because it's racist or sexist or anti-science or any of the other dumb excuses they give themselves. But that's why they think it's wrong. They don't have a fully formed belief about why it's wrong or how it's wrong. They don't have that kind of intellectual confidence at all because deep down they know they don't know anything. Okay? So once they are presented with information that they cannot ignore, that's when things start changing. Now, I know that people are still out there defending Anthony Fauci and believing him. They don't know a damn thing about his emails. They don't understand any of this. There are doctors out there that think that. There are people out there that are so invested in the central narrative that they believe Anthony Fauci's emails show him in a good light. There are people that believe Anthony Fauci's emails are faked or hacked. Even though Anthony Fauci doesn't deny the reality of his emails and they were Freedom of Information Act documents. There's nothing false about his emails. They exist. They're real. They're damning. But there are people who don't believe it. Forget about them. Despite them and despite that, 70% of the country now believes it is true or likely true that the virus came from the lab in Wuhan. All right? That's 70%. And each and every one of those people is going to be open to the fact that the election was fraudulent as soon as enough other people believe it because that's how they form beliefs, right? This isn't just commies. This is like the more overarching party of false decorum that I talk about. They identify with their beliefs. They know what beliefs they must espouse to impress the people they wish to impress. Which means that you are constantly guiding your life by received opinion, received belief. It's not original self-generated thought. Okay? And so when enough people understand that what we are saying is true... Other people will believe it because they don't want to be the stupid one in the group of people they're trying to impress. Once it becomes safe to express an opinion in public, people begin to say what they're actually convinced of, which allows more people safety to say those things. And that's why censorship is so dangerous in situations like this. And that's why we are where we are. Because of the censorship, they tried to force everyone to lie or shut up about the most important issues in our lives. 
and they failed. They failed because there are enough of us to win every narrative, right? There are more of us. We are the majority. And in addition to that, we are smarter and faster in the information stream. And our resolve is so much stronger because we actually have to argue for the things that we believe. We are actually out there being tested. Every time we open our mouth, we know we're going to have to defend themselves. They don't have that. They don't have that at all. Every time they open their mouths, they are entirely certain that everyone else around them is going to agree with them in part or in full. And then if no one speaks up in opposition, their belief becomes more true to them. This thing is going to spread like wildfire and it is going to become undeniable. Now, just to quickly correct something I said yesterday, I think when I was describing Joe Biden's plan to vaccinate the world, I said five hundred million dollars was being spent on it. I was that was incorrect. It's five hundred million doses being sent around the world. So that's considerably more than five hundred million dollars. Okay, so now let's get into the big story that all of the communists are trying to push in the last 24 hours. And I'm going to go to USA Today because sometimes I appreciate the child brain simplicity with which they lay out the news and also how brief they are. I thought about going to the Daily Mail, but their article is like 4,000 words long (laughs) and like 57 pictures. And five subheadlines. So this is today, USA Today. DOJ asks Inspector General to investigate Trump Justice Department's seizure of Democrats' phone data. Josh Meyer and Christine Phillips. The Justice Department on Friday asked for an independent internal investigation into why the Trump administration seized the phone records of House Democratic lawmakers and their staff as part of a 2018 leak investigation, according to the Associated Press. Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco's request to the Justice Department Inspector General came just hours after Democratic reps Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell confirmed that Trump era DOJ officials secretly seized their Apple phone data, as well as that of 10 or so House Intelligence Committee and family members. A senior Justice Department official confirmed that Monaco made the request in an interview with the Associated Press, but could not discuss the matter publicly and spoke to AP on the condition of anonymity. Oh, they have a source. Senate Democratic leaders also demanded on Friday that then President Donald Trump's two attorneys general, William Barr and Jeff Sessions, testify about the seizure of phone records. Oh, they're not going to like how that works out. The New York Times, which first reported on the seizure Thursday night, said the Justice Department subpoenaed Apple for phone data about a dozen people, including two Democrats on the committee, their aides and family members, one of whom is a minor. A House Intelligence Committee official confirmed the existence of the subpoenas in an interview with USA Today on Friday and described them as a politically motivated effort to retaliate against people who were rightly investigating the Trump administration for abuses. And of course, with the underlying subject matter here and the two people we're talking about, 
uh, Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff, you can probably make a reasonably educated guess that the House Intelligence Committee official may have been Adam Schiff or Eric Swalwell. A question that we have for the Department of Justice is what legally was this predicated on? When did it start and how did it continue? Said the committee official who also spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the matter publicly. And right there, I mean, isn't that pretty telling that we have a House Intelligence Committee official who knows that they're not supposed to discuss a matter publicly, but nonetheless runs to a mainstream news outlet so that they can discuss the matter publicly on the condition of anonymity. Isn't that incredible? It's not like the House Intelligence Committee official is sitting in a House or Senate hearing answering questions that are being asked of them. They are making the conscious choice to go out and speak to a mainstream news outlet doing something they admittedly should not be doing as long as they get anonymity, as long as the newspaper can't tell anyone who it was that gave them the information. The newspaper can then just go out and publish privileged information from within the House Intelligence Committee. Wait a second. Is that what this entire story was about in the first place? Let's find out what the USA Today has to say about it. We have repeatedly posed basic and readily answerable questions to the department for more than a month, but have received virtually no information beyond a confirmation that the investigation is closed, the committee official said. The department's refusal to provide information is unacceptable. And they will need to provide a full accounting of this and other instances in which law enforcement was weaponized against Donald Trump's political opponents. Yes, if there's one thing we know that the commies really care about, it's making sure not to weaponize elements of the government against their political opponents. They can't stand that. They can't even believe anyone would ever do it. On Thursday night, after The Times published its report, Swalwell went on CNN and confirmed that his phone data were among those that were seized, as well as other lawmakers and their family members. That was just a horrifically written sentence. These people should honestly be ashamed of themselves. Like, apart from how bad they are at their jobs on a moral level and a competency level, they can't even write. What part of their job are they good at? Well, I guess producing propaganda, which is the only job. The California Democrat also said that Apple, which was under a gag order preventing it from telling lawmakers their data were subpoenaed, had notified him that his records were seized. Oh, that's interesting. Apple does that a lot, huh? So the government comes to Apple and says, we need this data for an investigation. Apple gives them the data. And then Apple goes and tells Eric Swalwell that his data was accessed. 
a couple years ago and Apple just told him? That sounds weird. I believe the family members were targeted punitively, not for any reason in law, but because Donald Trump identified Chairman Schiff and members of the committee as an enemy of his. Swalwell told CNN Thursday, adding that the gag order was motivated by fear of a public perception that the Trump administration was targeting perceived political enemies. Phone data of Schiff, the committee chairman, was also seized. The Times reported that the leak investigation, which began in 2017 under former Attorney General Jeff Sessions, sought to find out sources of media reports about contacts between Trump associates and Russia. But the investigation ultimately did not find evidence tying the committee to leaks, the Times reported. A Justice Department spokesman declined to comment. House Democrats promptly denounced the data seizure and also called for an inspector general investigation. The news about the politicization of the Trump administration Justice Department is harrowing, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said in a statement. These actions appear to be yet another egregious assault on our democracy waged by the former president. Democrats have also long said that Trump used the Justice Department to go after his perceived political enemies, an allegation that Schiff repeated Thursday night. Oh, good. As long as we say it 10 times so that we're sure that everybody understands that Trump targets his political opponents and not people who are actually involved in criminal behavior. It's clear his demands didn't fall on deaf ears. This baseless investigation, while now closed, is yet another example of Trump's corrupt weaponization of justice. Schiff said in an interview with CNN Thursday, Schiff said several more lawmakers or staffers phone data may have been targeted as part of the leak investigation. Well, that's a that may have is doing a lot of work in that sentence. He said people who received notices from Apple initially thought the emails were either spam or phishing attempts. The Justice Department during the Trump administration also secretly obtained the phone records of journalists from The New York Times, The Washington Post and CNN. Trump and his former aides have politically condemned leaks to the press that often led to unflattering stories about the White House. It's strange that they don't mention that the news wasn't simply unflattering. It was just downright false. Strange they don't mention that. Faced with criticism from journalists and media advocates, the Biden administration announced it will no longer secretly obtain reporters' records during leak investigations, a departure from a policy used by previous administrations to try to identify sources who provided journalists with classified information. And they have a little note at the bottom. This story will be updated. (laughs) So that's the mainstream story that we're getting. But let's remember who we're talking about here. We're talking about Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, both of whom are somehow still on the House Intelligence Committee. And that, of course, is Nancy Pelosi's doing. Eric Swalwell had a relationship with a Chinese spy, Fang Fang, who actually helped Swalwell staff his office. Eric Swalwell became completely compromised by China years ago. And everybody knows it. And Nancy Pelosi keeps him on the intelligence committee. You talk to a commie, they're like, oh, that's fake news. It can't be that big of a deal or they would have totally taken care of it. No, dummy. That's not how it works. Eric Swalwell is 100% 
compromised and was when he and Adam Schiff were putting out all the false information about the Russian collusion hoax and their presence on the House Intelligence Committee gave them the gravitas to be able to say these things and sound informed while saying them. They literally abused their position to spread false stories via the news. And so then the news can run with these stories because they have a source. The congressman on the Intelligence Committee said this. So we can say all these things. And then the congressman on the Intelligence Committee can go right back on CNN and very carefully say, it's been reported that it's been reported that Donald Trump was peed on by Russian prostitutes in a Moscow hotel room. It's been reported. And so they say it as a member of the House Intelligence Committee. And then the news says House Intelligence Committee member says it's possible that Trump was peed on by Russian prostitutes. And now Adam Schiff gets to go right back on television and say, it's not just me saying that this is being reported all over the place. And they just do this circular thing forever. They just feed one another lies and they always report the lie as if it's the other person who has the proof. Yeah, well, you know, I've I've heard this, but I'm not sure. But don't ask me. Ask all the news organizations that are also reporting on it. And then the news organizations are like, well, yeah, we're reporting on it. But, you know, Adam Schiff said it. So go ask Adam Schiff. And then it just repeats over and over and over again. And years later, we still have this completely false narrative in the mind of the American public that these things that simply did not happen and never happened and there was no evidence of them ever happening are still deemed to be true. But it's a fact that Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell were out on television every night lying to the American public about what happened with the Trump Russia stuff. Trump, Ukraine stuff, the fake impeachments, all of that, Mueller, everything. They were all over the news talking about it all the time. Not one ounce of it was true. And they were doing that as members of the House Intelligence Committee. They were literally undermining a sitting president based entirely on falsehoods so they could gain political advantage. And the idea that they weren't somehow working the system or abusing the system to try and get their political enemy taken down. That is just beyond ridiculous. And if you want to know more about who Adam Schiff is, go on some search engine that is not Google. I use Quant, Q-W-A-N-T. And type in Adam Schiff, Ted Lieu, and Ed Buck, and read some articles and see what you think about them. And then find some more articles. Really dig on it and see what you find. Because Ed Buck was a major Democrat donor, or bundler, I should say, in Los Angeles who's famous for drugging 
and then murdering underage gay black male prostitutes. And if that sounds like a conspiracy theory to you, wake up because it's real. And if you search it out, you'll see it's real. Adam Schiff is going down so hard and I cannot wait. And so, of course, this is the sort of thing that they will go after right now. Once again, they're trying to start another whole story about how Trump is corrupt and everything that Trump is doing is to try to destroy his political opponents. And he's abusing the justice system. No, none of that. The people Trump and the Department of Justice were looking into are criminals and traitors and compromised. All three criminals, traitors, compromised. Both of them fully. There is no doubt about it. So what we're left with is another pathetic attempt to try to get some silver bullet on Trump to try to bring people back into the central narrative who might be leaving. Yeah. Oh man. You know, I, I, w- I want to be open to what you're saying, but now it comes out that Trump was trying to take down these guys just because they were saying mean things about him. Oh, I don't know, man. Trump's just a bad guy. You'll hear that. Who cares? And then they want to get Barr and Sessions in to testify about this. But is that really what they're going to try to have them testify about? They're going to be launching all sorts of questions. And by the way, I'm not afraid of these guys testifying. Go ahead. They're going to try to run with this circus for as long as they can. But this story has no more substance than the Russian bounty story. And the truth is that like the multiple fake impeachments. This is a story about the people making the accusations. Okay. Schiff and Swalwell are the ones in the terrible position, not Donald Trump. Don't get it twisted. So I was just about to end the show. And then as the episode is exporting so I can post it, I see that Brian Cates, who's been doing an incredible job with all of this reporting, but he did this long chain on Telegram about this exact scenario. And so I want to read this all to you just so that I can give a really clear understanding of what all this is that I'm talking about. I thought about just waiting till Monday, but there's no point in saying all the stuff I said and then not giving you this to kind of back it up and enhance your understanding. So he says, remember what I said back in my columns at Epic times beginning in July of 2018, any investigation of Spygate must include in its scope, the leakers in Congress who leaked classified information to the news media to help drive the Trump Russian collusion hoax. While Schiff was the most prominent leaker, there were several others, and Swalwell was definitely one of them. 
What some people fail to notice or understand is that some of the Spygate plotters don't reside in the DOJ or the State Department. They're inside the U.S. Congress. They are senators, members of the House of Representatives, or key congressional staff, such as the recently indicted James Wolfe, longtime director of security at the Senate Intelligence Committee. Both Rosenstein and Sessions have all but used signal flags to strongly hint that members of Congress who sit on these oversight committees are targets of criminal investigations. Rosenstein keeps being asked to hand over material evidence to congressional oversight committees at the same time that his department is investigating several members of those self-same committees for criminal leaks of classified information, as well as their involvement in the crossfire hurricane shenanigans. Okay, so when Schiff and Swalwell are asking for all of this information from the DOJ, they're doing it as the subjects of the investigation. Got it? They're trying to find out what the DOJ knows, what the DOJ has, and what the DOJ is trying to find out about them. Unlike Carter Page, I'm pretty sure when the agents handling these surveillance cases out of the DOJ or FBI applied for the warrants, they had actual real evidence that they showed the court that Schiff and, and Swalwell had been leaking classified documents to reporters. Let me clarify something because, and in quotes, he says, nobody knows how anything works. As part of the surveillance process, when the DOJ goes to the court to get a surveillance warrant to spy on someone's phone, nobody alerts the targets they are being spied on. Swalwell was alerted like five minutes ago that the DOJ had been all up in his phone records because the DOJ allowed Apple to tell him this. So I guess that answers my question earlier. Because they don't need any more. Also, it's Manu Raju using the language seized. In fact, the DOJ was watching Swalwell's phone activity for months, if not years, under a warrant. And this likely goes back to the fact that he is fully compromised by the Chinese Communist Party because he started a relationship with a Chinese spy. Two things to note here in this legacy media coverage of this revelation that both Swalwell and Schiff's phone records were being surveilled and records seized. One, it's Swalwell claiming the matter is now closed. The DOJ hasn't said shit. Two, when the DOJ gets a spy warrant, it's retroactive and allows them to go backwards through your phone records. They don't just spy on your current ongoing phone activity. They get to examine your past phone records. Just in, former Attorney General Barr does not recall getting briefed that's in quotes on seized communications records belonging to Democratic lawmakers who were leading investigations into Trump. That's very interesting. Let me tell you what this means. Beginning in 2017, there were investigations into who was leaking classified information out of Congress to the fake news media to drive the Trump Russia collusion hoax. And nobody ever heard a thing about those investigations and the targets of the investigation and the leak hunts weren't notified until this week that their phone records from 2017 to 2018 had been seized by the DOJ. Members of Congress were being spied on and investigated, and I want to buy a fucking beer for every agent involved in this because this never leaked out. <laughs> the DOJ let the targets know they'd been spied on when they were good and ready in June of 2021. And he posts a couple of links and then continues. 
Durham was first tapped to begin investigating Spygate-related leaks of classified information regarding Crossfire Hurricane in April of 2017. Are you sitting down? Because I'm about to tell you something. Durham has been investigating current members of Congress for criminal leaking since 2017. Sure, FBI agents like Strzok and McCabe and Comey were leaking, but a lot of the prime leaks used to drive the Trump-Russia hoax came right out of the U.S. Congress. People were screaming for three plus years. When is somebody going to investigate, prosecute that arrogant, leaking son of a bitch, Adam Schiff and Swalwell, too? They are obviously leaking. And what was I saying the entire time? Somebody is investigating them and getting ready to prosecute them. He's just not saying anything to the media or us about it until he's ready. Horowitz will review to ensure all the proper procedures were followed in the DOJ filing for subpoenas and warrants for surveillance on members of Congress and their staff and for all records related to unauthorized disclosures of classified information to the media by government officials. So one of three possible outcomes I see Horowitz says this never happened. They made it up. There were no subpoenas Two, Horowitz says this happened and all the subpoenas were properly filed and all the surveillance of these members of Congress and their staff were done appropriately according to regulations. Three, Horowitz says it happened, but they didn't follow the rules on some of the activity they engaged in my money. The people who never leaked any of this were careful and crossed their T's and dotted their I's and Horowitz opens door two and says this was all done properly. And then someone in the comments asks, what does this part mean? The review will not substitute the OIG's judgment for the legal and investigative judgments made in the matters under OIG review. It means he's only looking at the procedures used to get the surveillance warrants and seize the records. He's going to make no judgment or finding whatsoever about any court decisions or law enforcement actions taken by the agents in these cases. It's just a review of were the rules followed correctly. Nothing more. By the way, Horowitz dropping this today is pretty much confirmation that the DOJ was surveilling and investigating sitting members of Congress beginning in 2017 to determine who was leaking classified information related to crossfire hurricane and other classified matters. I don't see much chance of Horowitz saying none of this has happened. Swalwell and Schiff are just making it all up to get TV FaceTime. Let me remind people how things actually work. When the DOJ begins to investigate someone for a possible crime, 99% of the time they do not publicly announce they are beginning that investigation. There is no press conference. The media is not alerted. So to all the people running around saying it's wild that the DOJ happened to be investigating sitting members of Congress for the past four or five years and they never told us they were doing that, that's standard operating procedure. So back in 2017, when the DOJ decided to begin investigating reps Schiff and Swalwell for criminal leaking of classified material, they did not call a press conference and alert everybody in America they were doing that. So that's where he's stopped for now. I'm sure he'll go on again. That's Brian Cates, C-A-T-E-S. You can find him on Telegram. If you don't know how to find him on Telegram, come to the info stream, t.me slash I'm your moderator, and I link to his posts often. So again, this story is not about Donald Trump and it's not about Donald Trump's Department of Justice. This story is about two criminals sitting in Congress on the intelligence committee that Nancy Pelosi has left them on. Understand all that? Both of these people 
are compromised. Both of them are criminals. Both of them are traitors to their country. And Nancy Pelosi has left them on the Intelligence Committee. They have been under investigation this entire time. And they just found out about it. This is their reaction to finding out. Okay? This is an uproar in Washington. Why? Because they think it's necessary to prove that Trump was really the bad guy all along. And now they're going to fake impeach him a third time. No, they understand that they are in absolute dire trouble. And they're going to do anything they can to get out of it. Like the pathetic, slimy little traitors they are. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. as moderator for tonight's broadcast. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.